volume nice and loud. Because we are controlling transmission with dance beats and R&B. You're in the mix with Lil Drummer Girl. With your host, Dawn Marie. Greetings, my friends. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Little Drummer Girl. It's Domery Mutel here, and I'm so excited because tonight I have a good friend of mine that I haven't seen in quite some time, Alan St. John, who is joining us tonight. Not only is he the best keyboardist I've ever met, he's done more for rock and roll than I can begin to say. Alan started his first band at 15 years old as a high school boy with a band called Lady Moon, where later he became one of Long Island's major club bands, along with Twisted Sister and Zebra. He then went on to be Become a member of the Blackjack Band, which consisted of Michael Bolton, Sandy Gennaro, Jimmy Haslip, and Bruce Erick. Building an inference self, he greatly impressed Billy Squire and instantly became an invaluable member of Billy's band. Their album, Don't Say No, sold over 6 million copies and coined the 500 greatest rock albums in the universe by renowned rock writer and critic Chuck Eddy. Since then, Alan has played and recorded with too many to name, but here's a few to mention. Cher, Foreigner, Ted Nugent, Alice Cooper, Phoebe Snow, Brian Setzer, Iggy Pop, and the list goes on. He's currently involved in several projects in and outside of the studio, two of which are called The Rod Experience and Metal, the musical. Alan is also embarking on a new journey as an author and illustrator of a children's book series called The Adventures of Mumu and the Furry Slippers, a series that will help kids with their daily challenges that are faced by so many of them today. So, since we have so much to cover, let's welcome Alan to the show. Hey, Alan, how are you doing tonight? Hi, Dawn. How are you? I'm doing fine. That's doing great. Well, thank you so much for being here tonight. I know you have so many things on your plate, and you've got a lot going on. So, if it's okay with you, since we're limited on time, is it okay if we begin? Oh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I've always got a certain amount of downtime that I'll leave myself, you know? Cool. Not that this is downtime by any means. It's just, you know, time to not be so crazy. I know you just moved from the from the West Coast back to the East Coast, yes? Yes, I did. How, how does that feel? I'm very joyful. So you like, you know, you travel around and enough uh, for projects, and, you know, sometimes the projects last, sometimes they don't, so, you, you know, that's what I meant by being gypsy-like, so you go where the work is and where the playing is. How long did you live on the West Coast? <laughs> Too long. About, uh, let's say, six months, maybe a little bit longer. Oh, okay. I thought you were out there for much longer than that. Mm-hmm. No. I, I haven't seen you since, I think, when you recorded uh, the Don't Say You Love Me album, but I think that was oh. probably in 89 or so, right? Yeah, right. And we do that out in L.A., yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was great. I think you grew up in the heart of Greenwich Village, so that must have been really cool growing up here. Yeah. Your, your parents were uh, professional singers in the uh, supper club industry. How did they inspire you to become a musician? Um, I don't know if, if, if they purposely did anything to inspire it. I mean, I just remember starting you know, out on my own, and then they were just totally behind it. So they backed me up in any of that. Um, so how old were you when you first started playing? Four. Oh, wow. Okay, it's really young. It wasn't a great playing, but, <laughs> but I started, you know, picking hey. that stuff more. Well, that's pretty impressive. Um, when you were in your first band, Lady Moon, how did you book your gigs and stuff? Because, I mean, here you are, a high school kid. How did you get gigs? Uh-huh. Um, well, at, in those times, you were allowed to go to bars at a very early age, as opposed to now. And uh, one of one of our band members, was of the age and was able to uh, book us in, and I would have to sneak in the back door, and, you know, for these little bar gigs. And uh, but, but by that time, like in the Chrysler area, um, it, there were a bunch of clubs and bars to play, and you could walk out making you know a good living and drawing crowds. Um, so after that, 
uh, disco came in. Ah, yes, disco. <laughs> you know, you had to sort of reason that yourself, and, you know, fortunately enough for me, you know, tours were, and I latch onto that, so there you go. Cool. Uh, how did you get Billy's attention? What was the break that, that got him in front of you to notice? Well, I would work with the bass player, Mark Clark, who's a phenomenal bass player. He's been with us in Billy's uh, uh, albums and tours quite some time. Before I met Billy, and I was on a road, I can't remember what it was on. Maybe it might have been a Rex Smith. Oh, it was actually a Michael Bolton tour, the Blackjack tour. And I got back to New York, and I got a phone call from, from Mark Clark saying they were looking for a keyboard player for uh, Billy's band. And I was living at that time right around the corner on 28th and Seven from the studio, the rehearsal studio. So I said, yeah, I'm going to be there in a couple of minutes. And, you know, long story short, ran into Billy in the hallway. He said, you want to come in? I said, yeah. And I met Bobby Chouinard, my dearest, dearest buddy. God bless him. And I uh, went in, played a, a song and a half, and got off in the gate, and that was it from there on. So how old were you when you started playing with Billy? I'm going to say 20. Wow, that's young. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. Maybe 2021, let's put it that way, because uh, my daughter was born in, in 80, so yeah, I'd say 2021, and before for the first tour. I was thinking about your daughter. I said, oh my gosh, she must have, like, went to college. She, she, is she married now with children? Or is... uh, no, what, my daughter? Yes. Yeah, she's 36. Oh, wow, she's 36. Oh my gosh. Yeah, last time I saw her, she was, like, probably, I don't know, 9 or 10 years old or something. Yeah, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get nervous before going out there? Always. You to, to calm down the jitters. Um, just that walk up the, onto the stage is fine. You know, it used to be other things, but now it's always crazy to walk up on the stage. You know, walk up on the stage and hear people, you know, you know, lights go on, people applaud, and you got that energy enough. Yeah, that's true. So have you ever had any embarrassing moments on stage? I still have to get out of it. what I still remember. Okay, and I hope you have enough time. I, I was playing out in Long Island. It was one of the, uh, one of the last shows of uh, a Squire tour, and and we were playing it, I guess, I can't remember. It was West Hampton. I forget the name of the venue, sorry. Yeah, we did a great show. It was rainy. Uh, it was an outdoor show. And I happened to invite my mom and, and my dad there. So they were in the audience. So I felt really good about that. We got done with the show. And as I said, it was very rainy and wet. Now the stage was on a raid. So you know what? In, in theaters, there's a downstage, which is forward. And then the back is upstage. Anyway, we take our final bows downstage. And I proceeded to fall flat on my butt off the stage, which is about, about eight feet up from where the audience was. And yeah, so got right back up to my final bow again, and um, my dad never let me forget it. <laughs> well, you know, at least you're amongst family that night, so that's like, it was a good thing. If they had to do any kind of internet stuff, then we'd be out there all over the place, trust me. You know, it's funny that you mentioned Long Island, because I do remember going to one of your shows out there uh, with the crew, and, um, and it was in, like, West Hampton or something like that, and uh, mm -hmm. it was all the way out. I know it was, like, pretty far out, and it was so much fun. It was a good show. I think that was a good show. I think that might have been the place when I fell off the stage. I don't know about that, though. <laughs> <laughs> they did I miss it. I don't know. That's a good thing. That's a Not go backstage. There you go. What advice would you offer to those that might be looking to uh, catch their, for their big break in the business? Any words of wisdom? Any words of wisdom? Yeah, well, I've got a few of them. Um, <laughs> please, please do tell. First and foremost, in my head, if it doesn't make you happy and you don't enjoy what you're doing, then you're not going to be the best at what you're doing. So if you want it that badly, you're going to have to go through what it takes. Second word of advice, roll up first as much as you can. Hesitate on making a 
family. And so you know your career is right because the music industry this day, these days is just horrible and hard to break into. So if you, you know, if you're doing it yourself, fine. If you, you can avoid involving anybody else family-wise or whatever, whoever you're bringing into this world, thanks for it. Very important. That's um, great, guys. That's really great. You know, yeah, I'm going to say one more thing about the music industry. It's great. When it's great, it's unbelievable. When it's up, it's up. So have a rubber bottom. And I always say, yeah, have a plan B just so that you can money while if there's any dry times and you know you're not getting the flow. You know, plan B is good. I've never been one to have one, which is probably you know could be good or be bad, but you know I've made a lifetime out of it. But uh, my fiance has always taught me, has been teaching me to have plan B, which makes sense, you know, and it makes sense for kids growing up now with everything you know horrible going on on this planet. Yeah, they have to concentrate on what they really want to do. It's it's true. I mean, I remember my dad. I mean, I wanted to be a dance on Broadway. That was my goal. And he would say, you know, you need a plan B, you need a plan B. And it's just like, okay. And I was glad I did that because when I got hit by the drunk driver and I couldn't dance professionally anymore, I thought, oh, what am I going to do now? (laughs) So if I didn't take those, like, typing classes in high school, I wouldn't have been able to get any jobs. Yeah, I I get it completely. I mean, you know, God, when I was growing up in the 60s, you know, we didn't give a crap about plan Bs. This was, we were going to change everything we just do everything the way you want to do but you, know, but you were successful fun. so that was that's like amazing right there because you did make it out of yeah, millions of people you did make it but I can count on one hand the people that have from my era really I mean I look on Facebook your friends and fans and whatnot and you know a lot of them don't even have jobs right now so it's yeah, yeah I, you know I, I consider myself very blessed very lucky I work my butt off for it also Absolutely. Um, you know and, and I'm, I, I feel I do the best I can for any project I'm on speaking of yeah so, tell me, how did you become a writer? How did you get involved in this project? Um, I started, we're speaking about the, the uh, children's book, Mumu and the Furry Flippers. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, it recently just got picked up by a publisher. I started writing it, coming up with the concept, maybe about five, almost six years ago. Um, and I had, you know, I had these characters in my head. And actually, before that, let me back up, I did an instrumental record called Mumu and the Furry Flippers. And, and it's all instrumental. And I'll let that, you know, go out there, be out there for a while. So flash forward to uh, you know coming up with the concept of a children's book, I, I locked myself up in my uh, little workshop out in, in the barn and uh, started you know painting. I'm a big watercolor fan. I you know went to art school and whatnot, but uh, it, it's always been something I wanted to do. Um, nice. Yeah, but have meaning to it, you know, and, and you know I, you know doing something for children is you know is a great reward in my mind for me. Um, so, so I just started thinking along those lines, and you put the Moo character came up, and now it's then it, it, you know, it went on to become sending a message to children out there that have voices that they have to make in long life. You know, there's a detour, two-way detour. You, ha- you have to do this. Whether it comes down to bullying in school, drug usage, alcohol abuse, anything. Um, and there's a lot out there today, especially with the way social media and the media has just blown yeah. up into the frenzy. And I'm like, what are they doing? Yeah, I tried to gear it towards the attention, mainly, of course, the, the children, but also keep the parents' attention because it's a lot of tongue-in-cheek that goes on within the story that wouldn't be harmful to, to the young people, but the parents will still get it, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so, and it makes well, it, 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 it 
it starts with the parenting. The parents are oh, yeah. teaching the kids, don't do this and don't do that, and having some kind of restrictions put on them because, I mean, as kids, we're not allowed to go hog wild. And I feel like the parenting, because a lot of them are so young themselves that they're really not yeah. needing to be a parent, and they don't know any better. Well, what we did also was attach an audio uh, version of the, uh, the first episode, so to speak, and that's in the process of being printed right now. So you can either get the book and the audio version, which is a spoken word that guides you through the pages, and it's all com- the music is all composed by me, which is oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so I mean, so there's two elements at, at least, you know, the story and the music. So that'll be out there it's available soon. Uh, so we're just trying to get everything in order in that spot, so have, people have a, an opportunity to buy it. They can get just the book and read it to their child, or the audio version and have your child listen to it with the music, which is always pretty cool. And you want to do that? Cool thing. I think, yeah, that's what I'm thinking, to do both because when the kids are in the car and they need something to right. keep them busy, it's they can listen to it. Yeah, exactly. And the music is probably fun to listen to. And So this is being sold right now. Where would it be able to get a copy on the book that's out right now? Is that on Amazon? Yes, it's on Amazon. You can also go to... Other, any any one of the bookstores at the Barnes & Noble or anything and, and order it through them. Oh, great. So what I'm going to do is I'll make sure I put a link to the book directly yeah, from the Amazon link on the show notes so that if people want to grab a copy. I'm curious to get a copy because, I mean, it's a great thing. It's finding somebody who can illustrate to get it on paper so that it's not just those words because I know it's so important to have those great visuals to go along with the children's book. I did not know you went to art school. Which art school did you go to? Well, it was just through high school. I never, I, I was, be oh, accepted okay. to a couple of them, and I wound up playing in clubs and making more money. And that's yeah. the hardest part about being an artist, and I always, my heart goes out to them because it's so hard to make money as an artist, and that's why I, I really wanted to put this together because I thought whatever we could do to help people in the arts flourish because it is such a, it's such a large industry that so many people want to be in it, and it's, you know, it's just, it's really tough, and I've been there, and it's really, it sucks when you can't, you know, Meet the bills and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, you're going to do oh, the yeah. thing you love. Well, that's what I said earlier. You know, you know, you, you've got to love it to do it, and that's the bottom line. You know, as far as the children's book goes, you know, for some of the questions about that, as far as where it comes from, you have to be a child to write about children. And, True. And it keeps you young. Absolutely. That's the fountain of youth right there, is to not take everything so seriously. I always say, if I didn't laugh, I'd be crying. You know, so I was like, hey, you got to laugh and have fun and lay around and just try and be serious. I would say, I'm serious, Cookie, who likes to have fun, so that you don't, you can enjoy life and you don't totally dress out and have a heart attack by the time you're age. You don't want to do that, but there is an in-between. You know, you can't be totally happy and totally sad all the time. There is an in-between. you got to know how to use both sides. So, knowing what you now know, would you do it again? Oh. Within a second, yeah. And okay. so are you ready for the 11 stroke roll rap fire interview? Okay. Um, yeah, sure. I'll try anything. That's been my downfall. Favorite food? Pasta. Favorite travel spot? Travel spot? Uh, Costa Rica. Nice. Your favorite curse word? Well, <laughs> Your favorite person to hang out with? My girlfriend, Sarah. By the way, congratulations. Thanks. Your most tranquil spot? Uh, bathroom. <laughs> cool. And your favorite pastime? My favorite pastime is sex. Okay. Favorite record? <laughs> Beatles Revolver. Favorite artist? Jackson Pollock. Biggest pet peeve? Complainers. And the favorite tour? Favorite tour? Yes. <laughs> Paul Young. What in Europe. That? Europe. That was, I'm saying maybe 89, somewhere on. Oh. Yeah, it was a great tour. 
if people want to reach you, where's the best place they can like follow you? Where's the best place? I'm, I am, like I said, a Luddite. So I guess Facebook, right? Uh, and for buying a uh, book or any uh, CDs or audio, it's going to be online. <laughs> how many books will there be in the series? Uh, right now there's two. We just released the first one, second one to come, and then I'll be working on the rest of the series. And I, it could be, it, hopefully it'll go on for as long as people want to read it and read it. And, and buy it, you know? Oh, very you know? Cool. I love that. I can't wait to read it. I wish I had a little kid to read it too, but I'm going to have to read it for myself. <laughs> well, you have nephews and nieces or whatever, I'm, you know, somewhere around there. Wow. Well, I have a niece who's... I have a great niece, okay? That's how, many, how old my niece is. Yeah, well, walk along the streets of Manhattan and pick up some little Asian girl and you can read it to them. There you go. That sounds good. I may have to donate some copies to a different <laughs> places that I deal with. Are you going to be playing anywhere anytime soon? Um, I'll let you know. I think I have a couple of years with some friends of mine. We're doing sort of a tribute to Rod Stewart out in Long Island. August. Anything I can do, and if you come to the Tampa area, please give me a shout, and I'll hook you up out here. Now, what area is that? I'm sorry, Don. I'm out in uh, Tampa now. Oh, you're in Tampa. Okay. Okay. We just moved from Vero Beach. From Vero Beach? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. On the East Coast. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty over there. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it was really nice, but um, you know, we decided to come back to New York. Yeah. It's like such a love-hate thing for me with New York. I mean, I love it, but I just, okay, I need to live out for a while, and I really enjoy living on the lake and just having some quiet time. Oh, you, you definitely need to add that in your life somewhere. Yeah. And so I just keep taking, you know, my, my feet back and forth. You can always go back into the, you know, the hurrying and scurrying in New York five, you know. So. Absolutely. Alan, thank you again for being here tonight. I really, really appreciate it. And I wish you a lot of luck with all of your ventures. It's so exciting. Thank you, Dawn. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you. And to my listeners out there, remember, it's never too late to begin to live the life of your dreams and leave a trailblazing behind you. Until the next time, rock on and rock out, and I'll catch you on the flip. Namaste.